John chapter 3, verse 3. If you ever want to read ahead, I encourage you to do so. You can read through chapter 3 a few times over the next few weeks. Kind of see what's coming up, know what to expect. Kind of get your, your gears turning in your, in your brain. That's one thing I like about expository preaching. That's a big fancy word. It just means you go through a verse at a time. That's one thing I like about preaching a verse or two at a time is, one, you don't skip anything. Two, you, if you are uh, the, the, the learner, the hearer, you know what to expect next week. It's not a surprise. You know exactly what's coming up. You know the next verses that are in order. And so I think there is some benefit for us knowing that this is where we'll be, Lord willing, unless he changes my heart from week to week. But uh, we'll be in uh, John 3 for a little while. We will read through the text, then we'll pray and we'll jump in. John 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you just give me the, the strength to preach and teach your word in a way that's going to be effective to the hearer today, to me too, dear Lord, even as I preach it. I pray that you help our, our, our uh, minds not to be sidetracked. I pray that you would just help everything to, to soak in today. Let there be something that we hear speak to us that we need to hear, dear Lord, that's going to affect our life, God. I pray that you just be with me right now, God. Be with each one of us as we hear, and I pray that Jesus is glorified as we read these words. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. 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 Last week, we were introduced to a man named Nicodemus. He would have been a Pharisee who would have been one of those who uh, probably would have had some doubts about Jesus. Now, we had a pretty lengthy introduction about the people of Jesus' day, the ones who opposed him and, and their views as, as, and, and reasons why they opposed him. And oftentimes, we saw that they didn't have any real desire to hear what Jesus had to say. Their only desire was to trap Jesus and make him look foolish. Nicodemus was different. Not, not to say that Nicodemus was the only one who came and inquired. Uh, whether Nicodemus came to inquire of Jesus wanting to believe or not, we don't know. But at least he had questions, and at least he went about seeking Jesus in the right way, in a way that he genuinely, it appears, wanted to hear the answers to those questions. He recognized that Jesus was different than the other rabbis of the day, and it had piqued his interest. Now, there may be people in the world today that we see, and we tell them about Jesus, and maybe not initially, they don't say, oh, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, let me, let me come to Jesus Christ and accept his sacrifice. But those little seeds that we may plant to people who we may tell about Jesus Christ you never know how it may pique their interest, even if they might be the one who seems most opposed. 
the one who seems like, oh, I don't believe there even is a God. If that seed is planted, you never know when it may begin to bring questions into their mind. Maybe like Nicodemus did. Maybe there was some doubt there. Or maybe he had seen enough to uh, be uh, all in on Jesus. But it seems as though he's trying to figure out what's going on here. Who Jesus is. And trying to connect the dots and understand. That's what we need to do. If there are questions or things we don't understand or things we wonder about, then we need to pray about those things. We need to seek the Word. And when we seek God, we will find Him. Just like with Nicodemus, as he began to seek Jesus and seek the answers that he wanted to know, Jesus revealed those things to him, as Jesus will reveal those things to us. Now, we go a little further this week in uh, John chapter 3, and Jesus begins to start talking about being born again. Now, this is kind of some, some odd language. Now, it may not seem odd to us, because we may have read, some of you may have read John chapter 3 many times. Others may have never read it, and that's okay. We're going through it now, praise the Lord. Uh, but if we've read something enough, whether it's John chapter 3 or any verse, uh, sometimes it may not sound weird to us because we're used to that language, right? In churches, we use a lot of words that may not make sense to the outside world. Uh, think about it. We, we say words like born again and are you saved and redemption and sanctification and edification and words that we just uh, throw out all the time in churches. And to us as Christians, they may seem normal. Maybe to some of you, some of those words seem normal. Maybe to other of you, they seem foreign. Maybe you've even heard them, but you don't understand what they mean. Well, that's okay. The dictionary is my best friend. I look up words all the time because oftentimes I don't know what they mean because I'm not a, a, a very well-educated guy. And so praise the Lord that we have smartphones that we can click on a word and say, what does that mean? And sometimes we need to do that in church. Uh, but we need to be careful of the language we use when we are outside of the church, when we are trying to reach other people. Another good example, perhaps, is the fact that when we come together in church, there's a lot of songs in our, in our songbook about blood. If an outsider who had never been exposed to Jesus Christ or knew about Jesus Christ, and, and they come into our church and we are all singing, and there is power, power, power in the blood, and we all begin to talk about being covered in the blood of the Lamb, to an outsider who knows no better, that might seem weird. Now, we might not have ever thought of it because we've grown up singing about the blood of the Lamb and reading about God's Word. But imagine an outsider coming in and saying, what, these people want to be covered in blood? What is going on in this place? And so there are things for us as Christians that we uh, may be used to, but that maybe others may not understand. This is kind of off track, but it's important for us if we are ever talking to someone about Jesus or about the Bible, uh, especially if we are ever in any kind of teaching capacity, that as we teach or preach God's Word, that we try not to assume that your hearer knows anything. Now, our hearers may know a lot, but they may not know anything, and the danger in saying, well, you all know the story. And not going into the details of the story may mean that somebody gets left behind. One, it may make them feel insufficient. Well, I should know the story. He's saying everybody knows the story. I don't know the story. I'm probably the only one in here that doesn't know the story. 
Well, if you've ever felt that way, I can assure you, you're not the only one in the room that doesn't know the story. But sometimes we have that tendency of something we've heard or read our whole life. We just assume that, well, everybody else knows it too, and they may not. And so we need to be careful when we preach or teach that if we say, some of you may have heard this story, which may be true, but there may be others that have not, and we need to be mindful of that. You don't have to make a big deal out of it, but we do need to be careful of, of making a reference to an event or a story and saying, but everybody knows about that, so we're not going to talk about it, especially if we're dealing with young children. We may assume that young children know all the popular children's Bible stories, but they may not. After all, they're a child. They're just now learning. And so we need to be mindful to never assume that those who we are preaching and teaching to know everything. They may or they may not. Now, that was way off track, I guess. But we're going to get back on track. We're getting back to where we started. That is, with the idea of being born again. It may be that we read through these verses, if we've read them before, and we may say, well, okay, we may say nothing, just be born again. It may be, if you've never read it before, that you go through there and say, well, what does it mean to be born again? Obviously, that was a problem for Nicodemus. Typically, we may want to just read through John chapter 3 until we get to verse 16. That's the one that we're looking for, right? And so we may just kind of skim over the rest of them without asking the hard questions or just saying, well, I don't understand what it means, but it's true, and so we're just going to move on. But I think that there may be some deeper meanings that perhaps we could have missed uh, in these verses about being born again. Jesus replied in verse 3, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now there's an interesting word we see there, kingdom of God. Now, if you read through your Bible, you will see the word kingdom of God a lot. Uh, In my particular translation here, in the New Testament, the the word kingdom is used 154 times. Now, sometimes it's speaking of of the kingdom of, of, of evil, of Satan. But I would say that most of those times, it's speaking of the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is talking to uh, Nicodemus here about entering the kingdom of God, and he uses this language about being born again. Well, Nicodemus has trouble understanding this language. He says in verse 4, But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Now, Jesus was speaking in spiritual terms, but Nicodemus was thinking in physical terms. Now, you see that sometimes in Scripture and maybe sometimes in our life, too. Sometimes we take things that are spiritual and we try to make them literal. Now, Jesus used parables all the time. A good example of how I believe sometimes we may go a little too far is when we are trying to interpret the book of Revelation. Now, there are many different views on the book of Revelation. And when I say many, I mean many. There are good Christians that hold views that are totally opposite of one another. It's a difficult book to interpret. One of the difficulties for interpreting prophecy, whether it be Revelation or another prophetic book in the Bible, is sometimes we want to try to make everything be literal. Well, there are some things in Scripture that are literal, that are meant to be taken literally, but there are other things that are merely symbolic. For instance, When Jesus tells Peter that he is going to give him the keys to the kingdom, 
Is Jesus saying he's giving him a set of keys? Jesus isn't saying, all right, Peter, here's the keys to the kingdom, and tossing him a literal set of keys. No, he's speaking in spiritual terms. Now, that's an easy one to understand because we understand that, that heaven is not a kingdom that's going to have a key that Peter's going to go up there and open. And so we see these examples that are sometimes meant to be taken literally, but sometimes are to be taken spiritually. And Jesus is using a spiritual example here. He's not saying that we will end up getting back into our mother's womb to be born a second time. Well, that's just impossible. That's just silly. So Nicodemus was struggling with this idea of being born again. But Jesus says in verse 5, Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. So Jesus kind of spells it out to him here. Now, we are all born of the flesh, right? Everyone in here has been born of the flesh. You didn't just magically appear. A stork didn't drop you out of the sky. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's the miracle of childbirth, which is a wonderful miracle that, that human life can even begin to, to exist the way that God has made everything work the way it does. So we are all born of the flesh, and as a result of that, guess what else we are? We are all sinners. Oftentimes, when we see references to the flesh in the New Testament, it is a reference to sinfulness. We are living in the flesh, sometimes the Bible says. Well, we're all living in the flesh literally all the time, but it's not speaking in a literal sense there. It's not talking about our flesh. It's simply making a reference to our sinfulness. Again, that's a good example of an illustration that is not meant to be taken literally, literally, but is meant to be taken spiritually. When we live in the flesh, we are sinners. What Jesus is saying is, everyone who is born of the flesh is a sinner. And we all know that. Hopefully you know that. If you don't know that, I will inform you today. You are a sinner because you are born in the flesh. You are part of this of this human nature that we are born into that is, that is tainted with sin, uh, which means that we can't have a relationship with a perfect God unless our sin is dealt with. Praise the Lord. That's where Jesus comes into the picture. And that's what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus here. Now, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. All right? So we need to be in the Spirit. We need to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is trying to make this, this illustration to him to let him know there needs to be a change. He needs to change from where he is fleshly, and he needs to change spiritually. That is, that he is cleansed of his sins, that he is forgiven, that he is uh, now a child of God, that his sins are cast as far as the east is to the west. Jesus says you need a rebirth from the physical to the spiritual. Now, we see the word kingdom used a couple of times here. Jesus says at the end of verse 5, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you're in the flesh and not in the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That is, there are no sinful people who are going to be in God's kingdom. Praise the Lord for that, right? 
Because do you know what would happen if there were sinful people in the kingdom of God in heaven? Well, it would be just like it is here now. Who would have hope in saying, well, I can't wait till I die to go to heaven where I can get more of the same? Well, that's not hope. That's just agony. That's, that's nothing at all. So God says, nope, the place that we're going, the kingdom of heaven that we will eventually get to if we are in Christ, is going to be a place where there are not going to be those of the flesh. That is, there will be none who are sinful. Now this idea of, of, of the kingdom here, uh, it kind of jumped out to me in a different way a few weeks ago as I was looking at these verses. Now Jesus is talking about one, being born again, and he's talking about being part of the kingdom that you are born into. And the flesh, we are born into the sinful kingdom. With our rebirth in the spirit, we are born into the kingdom of God. Now, I'll ask you guys a question. I think the answer will probably be the same for all of us. It may not be, but I'm going to assume it is, and that may be wrong. But what makes every one of us in here a citizen of the United States of America? Anybody that knows the answer. Birth. Birth. We were born here. Nothing makes us a citizen of this nation other than the fact that we were born here. We were born here. And that makes us a citizen of this kingdom or of this nation of earth. And so if our birth determines where our citizenship is, then what Jesus is trying to say here is to be part of the kingdom of heaven, you need to be born into the kingdom of heaven. Now, in my 34 years of reading the scripture, I never thought about that connection there. I never thought about being born again and where your birth is, uh, is, is, is meaning where your residency is, where your citizenship is. And now I look at it, and it's hard for me not to see it any other way. Now, my interpretation here may be wrong, but we see those scriptures where it talks about us being part of, uh, of heaven and being citizens of, of heaven and being citizens of the kingdom, and we are. Now, if you want to be a citizen of a, another nation, there is a process that you have to go through. There has to be a change. You have to be recognized, and you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork. But the easiest way and the normal way that most people become a citizen of a nation is they are born into that nation. And I believe what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here is that if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you need to be born into the kingdom. Because you are part of the kingdom that you are born into. And Jesus says the kingdom that you are born into is the kingdom of flesh and sin and evil and destruction. But Jesus wants to give us dual citizenship. That is, we are citizens of two places. Now, we see that, I think, with scriptures that say things like, we are in the world, but not of the world. So we're still in this old, sinful, fleshly world, but we are now citizens of heaven. We are now just ambassadors to the kingdom of God. We see that word and that type of thing in our world today, right? There are representatives from other companies, uh, countries, uh, and, and they call them ambassadors, and they will go do work on behalf of their country in other countries. And we are called to do exactly the same. We are called in Scripture to be ambassadors for God. That is, we are part of the kingdom of God. 
Now, not just the kingdom of God to come, that is heaven, but we are part of the kingdom of God right now. We're just as much a part of the kingdom of God now as we will be when we get to heaven. The difference will be there will be no more sin and no more of this old mess we see here. But we are part of the kingdom. And as being part of the kingdom, we no longer live far and represent the flesh. Or we should not live far and represent the flesh. But sometimes we do. But we need to remind ourselves, if you are in Jesus Christ... You are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so therefore, you need to be a representative of that kingdom. So that when we go out into this world, into this kingdom, that is Satan's, that we can be a light to this world. That we can represent Jesus Christ in a right way. That the world can see the love that he has, the compassion that he has, the forgiveness that he has. And Jesus could have chose any means that he wanted to to have accomplished this goal of helping people to see that he was the son of God. But of all the things that Jesus could have chosen, he chose you and I. He chose us. Jesus could have chose to do miraculous signs. He could have uh, chosen to do anything he wanted to, to to help people to know about him. But instead, he says, I'm telling you to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is saying, as part of the kingdom, I'm calling you as my ambassadors to go and do the work. You go into this world. You go into the other nations. You go out into the highways and the byways and tell people the good news. Know that along the way it will be difficult. Know that along the way the enemy will come against you. Jesus realized that. Now we sometimes, I think as Christians, we want to, we want to put ourselves in a boat because we see the outside world and it's dangerous and it's scary and it's much safer if we can stay in our Christian bubble, right? If we can come here on a Tuesday or go to our church and, and be around other people who think like us and act like us and, and watch the same things we watch and listen to the same things we listen to and read the same things we read. Well, we feel comfortable around those people as we should, but we have to be careful that we don't get stuck in that Christian bubble. Sometimes we think, well, I'm a Christian. I don't need to be associating with sinners. Well, to some degree, no. And not to the degree that you are giving in to the sin in the same way that they are. and There's no difference between you and them. But Jesus called us to that exact mission to go out to sinners. Those are the ones that we are trying to reach, and we ourselves are sinners. We don't reach people because we are perfect. We reach people because we are beggars who have found food in Jesus Christ, and we want to tell the other beggars where to find food in Jesus Christ. Now, we have a tendency sometimes maybe to put ourselves in a Christian bubble, but we can't be effective for the kingdom of God unless we get out into the world. So God calls us to, Jesus calls us to in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are called to do. So that means we have to get outside of our comfort zone. We are no longer living for the flesh, but if we've accepted Jesus Christ, we are living for the kingdom of God. And we don't want to forget who we represent. 
Now, Jesus goes on to talk about the wind blowing here. That may seem kind of strange. That's a hard one for me to wrap my head around. But I think that what Jesus is saying is that these things are kind of a mystery to us. These are things that we don't fully understand. We see the wind blow. How does the wind form? Where does the wind come from? Now, scientists, I'm sure, could tell me exactly the answer to that, or at least in their opinion. But I don't know that we really know how wind is formed and when it's going to blow or where it's going to blow. And Jesus says that's kind of like what I'm talking about here. These are things that may not be understandable, but we accept. Just because we don't know where the wind is going to come from or how often it's going to blow or at what speed it's going to gust, we don't say, well, there is no wind. Wind cannot exist. Well, that would be foolish because we see it. Even though we can't explain it, we know that it's there. The same is true for the Holy Spirit. We may not be able to explain those things like uh, the story we talked about earlier in the service. The woman who was awoken in the middle of the night to say a prayer for another brother in Christ who was in another country. That seems kind of, kind of weird, right? It's kind of gnarly. It's hard for us to wrap our head around. I don't understand how God does that, but I totally believe that He did that. I believe that He does those kind of things. And I believe that Jesus is making that illustration here, is that even though we may not understand it, we still know that it exists. We still know that God is at work. We still know that He is building the kingdom and He calls us to do that. And that's what He's trying to help Nicodemus to understand. And that's what you and I need to understand. Is that for us to be part of God's kingdom, then we have to be born into that kingdom. If we are born into the kingdom of God, we are granted citizenship into that kingdom. The only way that we can be born again is through Jesus Christ. It's through His sacrifice, through His death on the cross, through His, all the suffering that He went through, through His resurrection so that you and I could be forgiven. And when we accept that, when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, when we accept the fact that He paid the price for our punishment, for our sinfulness, for our behalf, when we accept that Jesus did that, acknowledge that He is God's Son, that He is God who came in the flesh to deliver us from our sinfulness, when we accept those things and ask Jesus to forgive us, Jesus will forgive us. And in that moment, we are born again. In that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells in us. And we are no longer labeled as being born of the flesh. We now have a new title, a new label, a new citizenship. We will then become citizens of the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Where is your citizenship at today? If it's in the flesh, if it's in the sinfulness of the world, it's going to be a bad day when you stand before God and you desire to get into the wonderful, beautiful, perfect heaven and God says, well, you're not a citizen here. If your citizenship is in the flesh, then today is the day that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you in that way. Maybe some of you in here have already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And upon accepting the forgiveness that He offers, you have become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. But don't forget that as a citizen of the kingdom, you've got work to do. 
we may have a tendency to say, well, I'm part of the kingdom now. I'm saved. I've got Jesus in my heart. All right, I'm just going to sit back and wait on you, Jesus. Well, if we're part of the kingdom and a citizen of heaven, Jesus says we've got work to do. So let us not forget the work that God calls us to do. And let us not forget that he is with us every step of the way. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I pray that you would be with anyone in here. Maybe there are some in here that have never been born again, that have never accepted Jesus Christ. I pray that today that they would say that prayer in their heart, God. It's not just words that are uttered. It's a heart change, an acknowledgement in their heart, dear Lord, that they would uh, ask Jesus to forgive them and accept him for who he is and what he has done. God, I pray for those in here today who may already be citizens of your kingdom. God, they may have been born again. God, they may have accepted Jesus Christ and received the Holy Spirit and followed through in baptism as your word commands. God, help those who have accepted Jesus to follow through and be good ambassadors and representatives for your kingdom, God, not for this kingdom of the world. And God, I pray that if there is one in this room that made that commitment today to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would pull me aside afterwards and, and, and just confess that, dear Lord, just announce that, that today they made that decision, and God, that we will follow through with baptism, that we will baptize them in the name of, of Jesus, dear Lord. God, that we will follow through just as your word says, God, just as you command for those who are in you, God, are part of your kingdom, we need to be baptized. And so, God, I pray that if there's one who has made that decision, that they would let us know, God, so we can follow through and do as the Scripture commands. We thank you for a good day. I thank you for some good music. And I thank you for the food that's been prepared and the ones who have, uh, have done so much work to get that done and all the ones who have come here. And I pray that you just bless each one that's here and the ones that couldn't make it today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.